right. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. Uh, so we've heard this word just come through through the tongue that was given, just that the Lord wants to upgrade us and he wants to give us more. He wants to give us more of himself. He wants to take us into more. Now, I know that part of the word today, you know, well, not part of, the whole word today, should we obey it? Should we, should we position the soil of our hearts? With respect to what I'm going to teach on this morning, we certainly will see more of the Lord. I mean, what is the upgrade? The upgrade really is that we will look more like Jesus, amen? That we'll be transformed more into his likeness. And that we will, at the end of the day, just see him more clearly. And that others will see him more clearly through our lives. And so, we're looking at David yesterday at the gathering. Um, I brought a word that was based on David's life, saying that uh, David was a man who was after God's own heart. And then yesterday at the gathering, I unpacked a few um, of the processes that David, or just the life that David lived in, what he faced in his life, and yet how is it that he kept his heart in a soft place? How is it that he kept his heart in a place that was malleable, that was, um, you know, pliable, pliable? Yeah, that God is able to work with his heart. And so we looked at a couple of things in David's life that we could perhaps relate to and reflect, look at our own hearts and take a mirror, put it to our hearts and go, okay, how am I doing in, in respect to these things? Or when I approach these things, when I face these things in my life, you know, well, Lord, help me to have a heart like David. Because Acts, 20, Acts 13.22 says that David was a man after God's own heart. What's also interesting is when you look at the New Testament and you see Paul and Barnabas going to a council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, uh, Barnabas and Paul had just done their first missionary journey, which was about an 18-month journey, and then they went and plant, well, preached the gospel, saw many people saved, and then came back to Antioch, and then they ended up needing to take a trip to Jerusalem to speak to the apostles and some of the key church leaders from which, you know, the base church from which the gospel spread into the world. And uh, the guys were keen on knowing in Jerusalem, keen on knowing what happened on your travels. Tell us. And Acts fifteen twelve says, and all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, you have some water here, yes. James replied, where am I? Uh, multitask is not quite strength there. After finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related, Simeon, um, I think that was Barnabas, has related how God has first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. Sorry, I had to take a drink there. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who make these things known from of old. So it's interesting is James gets up, listens to the, well, James listens to the testimonies of Paul and Barnabas, which was testimonies of God breaking out in the Gentile world, in 
various places, very disconnected in a sense from each other. Wherever they went, as the gospel was spread, people had their sins forgiven and became worshippers. People became adorers of God. People became um, those who would declare his praises and his wonders. People who did not know God before were now being included into the family of God. And James stands up and he says, this is a fulfillment of prophecy given hundreds of years before today. James is saying before this day. And he says, it's a, it's, this prophecy is taking place in our day. God is restoring David's fallen tent. Now, what is, he, what, is, what is he meaning by that? He's not saying, okay, what he is saying is that David was seen as a, almost like a, a messianic type figure to Israel. He was a king, but he was a priest king. He was somebody who wasn't just exercising judgments and, you know, uh, in a sense, head uh, wisdom over Israel, but he was a king who also was a worshiper and a priest goes and stands before God and before the people. And David was that type of leader. He was like a messianic figure, somebody who actually um, was able to be to, 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 to bring governance into Israel, which brought security. And at the same time, he was one who was able to touch the heart of God and bring the heart of God into the people of God. Are you with me? And what James does is when he see, he hears what God is doing across the Gentile world, he says, this prophecy is being fulfilled today. It's being fulfilled. God is restoring the tent of David that has fallen. So what he's saying is the people of God have lost something of the Lord's heart. They have lost something of what each believer is meant to be. The people of God have become detached from from uh, like a Davidic type of heart, from a Davidic type of pattern. Isn't that amazing? And he's saying what the gospel is doing is it's causing a tent of David to be built up in the nations. It's like picture language. There's a whole lot of metaphors that he's using. But if you read it and study it and, and, uh, and really do some deep diving and can stretch your imagination and your spirit to understand what's happening, he's, James is standing up and saying, God is raising up a bunch of Davids. God is actually raising up a people who are because in David he was he caught something of my heart. He was a reflection of me. Can you imagine the Bible without the Psalms? Can you imagine the Bible without the Psalms? Can you imagine? Well, let's let's look at positively. What do the Psalms bring into our hearts and into our lives? I'll tell you one thing that they bring into my heart is uh, the majesty of God. They bring a pattern. They set a pattern for me as to worship. They, all the Psalms, whether it's written by David or any of the other Psalmists, they will describe the pain that I might be going through in any given moment, or whether now or in the future of my life. It will describe in detail the turmoil, the anguish, the struggle that we have on this earth. The sometimes lack of being able to see the future, the dark places we often find ourselves in if we're honest with ourselves. They describe to us just how tough life can be sometimes and how sometimes it feels like our enemies are overrunning us. But in all the Psalms, there's always this beautiful three-letter word, but, but God. 
Within every psalm, we see the realness breaking. We can all relate to the psalms. And it breaks open the heart of God amongst us because it breaks down pride. It breaks down dividing walls that prevent us from being open and transparent with each other. The psalms are not just a model for worshiping God and in, on a Sunday, but they're a model for actually how to relate to one another in the family of God. The psalms are, reflect that as we draw near to God, you know, we can be open, honest with the Lord and even share with others our weaknesses because I'm, 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 I'm secure in the Lord. The Psalms have got so much in them that actually you know, are a model and a pattern for local church, for our everyday relating. And uh, I just thank the Lord you know, for David because he's this, he's this model actually for us to, to copy with our, with our hearts, not just copy in, um, in actual worship, of the Lord, physical worship, but actually in an everyday type of worship of how to do life together, how to walk together, how to relate to God and to one another. Amen. And so, yeah, it's, I just want to say today that if we're going to, if we're wanting to get an upgrade in a sense, to move into more, we need to look at David's life. We need to look at the posture of his heart. And one of the postures of his heart, one of the things that he broke open was he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper, and that's just what I'm wanting to look at today, was that, and that God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth, Jesus says. And let me again say right at the outset, I'm going to be focusing particularly on actual singing and uh, the, that aspect of worship, but it's way more than that. It's how we relate to God. It's how we actually um, walk day by day with our God. It's how we actually posture our hearts in a position of continually elevating God in our actions, in our speech from day to day. Amen. <coughs> so, all right. And so I want to look actually... At a, at a biblical pattern of worship. We also see, you know, and this has to come from a revelation from the Lord. In, in Colossians it says, everyone has a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. 1 Corinthians 14 says, everyone has a hymn. When you get together, everyone has a hymn. Uh, Ephesians also speaks about us having songs. Uh, it says, when you get together, also Ephesians chapter 5, right? And so we see, like something of the Holy Spirit, just, just being that when we get touched by the Spirit, songs come from our lips. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Um, worship comes from, from, from us. Um, so if you look in Ephesians 5, verses 18, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, that is excess. It says, But be filled with the Spirit. And then it's like addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and making melody to the Lord in your, with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God in the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. So we see there, again, when the Spirit comes upon us, it's not like getting drunk with wine 
uh, which you know, results in all sorts of terrible things. You open your spirit up to so much. It's interesting in COVID, eh? Just how without, without wine, you know, access to wine, how the crime rate just went. It, I mean, everyone was talking about it. We, we've forgotten about it now. The liquor companies were up in arms about it. But our crime rate just went way, way, way down. Because wine is a mocker, word says. Wine is a brawler. Okay, but the Holy Spirit is a complete opposite. When the Spirit comes on you, He restores the temple of David. He brings songs of praise. And when you come together, it's like everyone has a song, a hymn, a spiritual song, because suddenly there's an overflow. There's an overflow of what you're now seeing in the Spirit, which is just awesome. And we see um, in David, he was oh, just like, as I've been studying David, I'm like, what did David see? It's like, I think David... He's kind of saw more of God sometimes. Oh man, let me, I, I, that's not true. What I feel like saying, it's not true. But I think sometimes it, it, it feels like it's true. <laughs> I think sometimes David, it feels like David saw more of the glory of God than we have in the new covenant. That's scary. David lived before seeing Jesus on the cross in an empty tomb and Jesus ascending to heaven with the Holy Spirit coming upon us. David managed to see God in such splendor and awe and majesty. And he would, he would write these psalms that, like you like this guy, was clearly a disciple of Samuel hanging out in the presence of God. Clearly. And so we've got to tap into his life and just see, like, how, you know, what about this guy? Like, how is it that in 2 Samuel 6 verse 5, when 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 David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, into Jerusalem, and David and all the house of Israel were celebrating, which means to laugh before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines, casting into cymbals. They were, it actually says they were laughing in pleasure before the Lord. What were they seeing? I mean, when last, uh, this is not an indictment on any of us, but how often are we in God's presence and all of us just laughing? <laughs> Yay! Woo! Sometimes in auction, I've, got, I've done let's worship. We're going to look at each other. Hap oh, happy day. Happy day. He washed my sin away. Oh, happy day. Happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day. Happy day. You washed my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. See, this is what Israel were doing. They're like, whoa, they weren't, you know, we just, and I mean, generally, when you go to African context, we are in Africa, and we are Africans, you go to, you know, uh, Corsa speaking, and different African nations, you'll often see the people are worshiping with their eyes open and they're looking at each other and they're dancing. And we as whiteies, we like, yeah. I'm also like that. I've had my eyes closed most of the meeting. I've sometimes remind myself, hey, look around, look around, look at the people around you. They're souls, special souls, won by the blood of Jesus Christ and God's linked our hearts and we've been united by the blood of Jesus and you speak as blood-washed saints. We sing as blood-washed saints before the Lord. 
And sometimes, you know, and you see Israel, what, did, what were they seeing as the presence of God comes? And they just, you know, you've got to look where you're going when you're walking with an ark to a particular direction. You're going to walk from here to the point. You're going to have to, you can't just do this the whole time. Oh, yeah. You've got to look around and you've got to be carrying something in your spirit. It goes beyond you needing to close your eyes. It's got to be something that you're chewing on, that you're eating on, that you are, that you are, you're, you're mindful of, you're conscious of, that as I'm embarking on this praise, it's a connection with the Lord that I don't have to close my eyes. There's a deep food that I'm eating of, that I'm drinking of a well of the Lord as I'm worshiping. And inside, my spirit is being impressed upon by the Spirit of God. I'm, I'm pushing all my, my uh, faculties. I'm focusing my faculties, my, my mind, my heart, my body. It's an engagement of my life. This is not quarter worship of my heart, soul, mind, strength. It's my, it's my whole being. And David writes about that a lot. He says, I'll worship you with all of me, with all of my strength. And we see him in 2, uh, 2 Samuel 6, 12. It says, and David brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. So now I, I spoke about that a little bit yesterday. And brought the ark to the city of David with rejoicing. And, uh, and when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, and I think that word... Uh, rejoicing is sima. He, uh, man, I've got all my Hebrew words somewhere. But uh, and when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fat animal. And David danced, and he used the, the word used there is karad. It means to whirl. So David whirls before the Lord. You, yeah, he's a king. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a bit dizzy right now. Yui, the world is spinning right now. But he whirled around. This is the king. At this stage in David's life, I mean, he was probably around 20. In his sort of little bit later 20s, he, I think maybe a little bit older. He ended up ruling in Israel for 40 years. He was king of Israel for 40 years. But this was in his younger years. But when you read all his psalms, he uses that same type of language. He didn't go as he got older. Let's leave that to the young, to the young chaps. <laughs> you know, I used to be young once, and um, I used to worship like that. You know, I remember once when I brought the Ark of the Covenant in to the presence of God. I was exactly like you. But when you get older, you'll see. You know? Be still and know that I am God. That's the verse I want us to focus on for the rest of our lives, young people. Be still. The church is meant for respect and reverence. That's why we come. David was caught up. Caught up with his heart, his soul, with his emotion. Our God is full of emotion. In heaven, we are going to be ecstatic. <laughs> we are going to be absolutely blown away. Even now, though, there's something for us to be blown away by, by the fact that God became man through a virgin Mary, suffered and died in the Pontius Pilate, for the sins of the world, was buried, third day, rose again, 
appeared to more than 500 people. This is wild. Are you, are you serious? Is this, what, what are you just saying? Yeah, more than 500 people appeared to them. Paul writes, you can go speak to some of them right now. They are alive today. This is, oh, hang on a second, rise from the dead, ascended into heaven. Is this for real? Well, is it or isn't it? Is it for real? What? And what does that mean? It means we're going the same way. Whoa, hang on a second. This is getting exciting. No, let's not be too excited about this. It's, you know. Friends, we've got, so David danced, he whirled before the Lord. Sorry, I'm not even following my notes, um, so <laughs> you're not going to struggle to find it. I am following them, but I'm not there yet, and I don't know if we're going to get there. So it says, before the Lord with all of his might. I mean, that means he was using energy. You know, friends, I've worshipped all over the world. I've been now, by God's grace, I've been to, I think I counted the other day, 36 nations now around the world. I've worshipped in the poorest of places, under trees in Africa, through into slums in India. I've worshipped in the smallest, stinkiest buildings you can imagine. I've worshipped in windowless buildings with literally one fan that you've walked down. It's, I've worshipped where saints have worshipped in the Ukraine under the communist government and they've had to meet underground. I've worshipped in underground holes where the people lift up God's name with such joy and such devotion that it just does only one thing. It makes you more in love with who Jesus is because He's worthy in whatever nation, tribe, or tongue you go to. He's worthy of praise. And when you stand, one image, is, and there's many images in my mind, one is of going into a slum in India, walking through about a kilometer worth of mazes, which if I didn't have a, the pastor with me, I would never, ever get out there. It's literally narrow sections, sewage running on either side of you. And you get to a shack with a double-story shack, tin shack, and literally climb up some steps. And it, as you're walking through the slums, there's incense being lit to Hindu gods and shrines at various points and then we walk up these steps and we get there and there's a group of believers with a little drum and one guitar and you're sitting so packed in a building that's not bigger than this and as you sit in this building there's one little window and you see over all these slums of Hindu worshipping people and the people of God begin to sing and the drum begins to go and there's not a breath of wind, and it's summer in India. You haven't even started worshiping, and the sweat is pouring down you. And you started worshiping, the people start to jump. And the concrete, see, the concrete, uh, the tin roof is this high above my head. You can't jump too high because generally Indians are shorter. They build the buildings a bit, short, bit smaller when there's no building codes. In the codes, it's fine, but where there's no building codes, they build them according to the average height. <laughs> It's like this high, just clunk. <laughs> you can't, you got to like. <laughs> and the people are beginning to worship our Lord. And they're beginning to dance. And I promise you the sweat's pouring, it's dripping off your chin. There's, there's no dignity in that place. It's gone. If you're trying to look cool on a Sunday, it was gone when you walked into that venue. But you know what? Jesus is worthy of worship with all of our might. And you know as you worship at any point you could have potentially something going on because you're worshiping a God that people don't want in that place. 
but they're not afraid, they're not ashamed, because they believe in the one who died for their sins. And their justification rose again for their justification. Friends, God wants us to catch David's heart is where he takes the presence of God in, into Jerusalem with all of his might. <clears throat> in verse 16 of 2 Samuel, it says, um, 2 Samuel 6 verse 12, it says, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King, of da- saw King David leaping, which means springing nimbly. As if separating limbs. I'm serious. That's the word. Leaping. Now, I'm going to try this now. Ah, let me just. Okay, I'm just going to do some stretching. Yes, Brad, who comes stretcher in the cack? What the heck? Why are you stretching? I'll tell you, I don't want to pull a muscle now. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> Imagine coming to church here, like before you get it, everyone has a bit of a stretch class. I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's not in the Bible. Just for anybody who might be questioning today, yeah, what this guy up to you now? Where are you getting this from? Go read 2 Samuel 6. It says, David worshipped with leaping, which is as if it's to separate limbs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, give me a minute to... His wife looks out the window and says she despised him in her heart. And the Bible actually says God made her barren from that day. Friends, God looking at our hearts and, you know, let me say this, friends. Because I might leap and dance and sep- as if separating limbs and you don't, doesn't mean I'm more spiritual than you. But also doesn't make you more spiritual because you sit in your seat and don't want to do that. But many people say, oh, you know, that's the flesh. You're stirring up the flesh in us. You know, emotionalism. It's hype. Oh, God. You know, just show me the South African who, when Joel Stransky kicked that ball over the poles in 1995. Yeah. It was good, man. You know, really. Sorry, I'm ripping off the Afrikaners, but you know. You know, well done, Joel. Good on you, my man. Um, we snatched the victory right at the end there. It was close. You know, we, we really, the All Blacks, they had us, you know, it was tight. But Joel, yeah, good on you, man. <laughs> hey, guys, we won the World Cup. Oh, the Peter, you check what happened with Joel there, eh? Yes. I'm going back to Afrikaans. Sorry, guys. I need to rip off the English a bit, eh? Hey, you know, did you see what happened to Joel? He's like, it was a beautiful kick right over the poles. I mean, if you know what? God absolutely loves every person, and he knows where we're all at. But uh, <laughs> there's certain things that have happened in our lives that are, well, what has Jesus done? What has he done for the forgiveness, of, for the sins of the world? He's rising from the dead. How can it even compare? And does our worship reflect that? Does the, does the focusing of our hearts and attention on the Lord reflect that? And uh, that's a journey. I'm on the journey myself. 
these days where I don't feel like doing that or doing this or doing the next thing. But I have to stir up my soul, cast my thoughts onto heaven. I'm going to very quickly... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip. Uh, now it's not going to, you're not going to, just see if you can find any, but I'm going to skip it because we, the time is short. And, um, we're going to go to Zephaniah. And I want us to see that this isn't just David. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. And I'm going to read some of this scripture. Well, all this, Jeremiah, Zephaniah 14 to 17. And, uh, I want you, well, I just want to contextualize this for you. Zephaniah was one of the prophets of Israel. And as Zephaniah was taken up in the spirit, Zephaniah saw a day coming when the Messiah would come, the Savior of the people of God and the whole world. And Zephaniah sees this day coming in the spirit. So I think, um, I can't remember with my, with my history now because I, I think this was, Zephaniah wrote in about 500 AD or so. So it's 500 years, more or less. Somebody can look that up for us. It'll be interesting. I um, always find this thing interesting. My wife says, don't talk. We're not interested in it. I'm like, we are interested. I'm interested. <laughs> it's hundreds of years before, before Jesus comes. What did I say? Oh, sorry, BC. Did I say it yesterday? Thank you. You must correct me, man. You know? Thank you, guys. Wow. Okay. 80, what? Uh, BC, BC, thank you, thank you. Before Christ and a Domina, yeah, okay. Uh, so, sing aloud. So he looks at this day. He says, sing aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared Away your enemies. Isn't that wonderful? He's looking to the day where Jesus conquers sin over our lives. He conquers death over our lives. And he gives us eternal life through faith in him. He says, the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. He's looking for this day when the gospel, in the gospel, we have been loved by God. And our salvation is secure. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and those words where he says, sing aloud, it's the word ranan, which means to be joyful and to cry out with joy. When he says, shout, O Israel, it's the word ruah, which means to shout and raise a sound, a blast before the Lord. When he says, rejoice and exult with all your heart, it's the word samar, which means to cheer up. It means, cheer up, Israel. And exalt, the word exalt is the word alas. It means to rejoice in triumph. He says, rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord is taking verses. Okay, then he goes, um, the king of Israel is in the midst. Verse 16. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one. Who will save? Doesn't it sound like Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus? Jesus going, I'm going, but I'm giving you the spirit. Right now, the Lord is with you and I. 
through the cross of Christ. We are the redeemed. We are the forgiven. We are the chosen. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ. I know it's hard. We need to say this like a million times to really believe it because it's true. In Christ. That's what he came to do. To reconcile us to God. To bring us near to the Father. Hebrews 7 says that he, Jesus lives to intercede on our behalf so that, so that we'll be saved, so that we'll make it to the end. Jesus is interceding on behalf of us as believers. I mean, that, if we just let that sink in, it's got to start doing something in us. And Zephaniah says, man... It says, uh, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Now, I'm getting back to this pattern of worship, this thing that David must have seen. And, but he says this in verse 17 of Zephaniah 3, 17. Remember, this is now describing the Lord. There might still be some people who say, Brad, you're still talking about Harpia, and that might be David, but it's not necessarily for us today. Well, Zephaniah sees this, and he says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice who will who's he god god will rejoice over you with gladness that word rejoice is the word sus it means to be cheerful it's the hebrew word sus s s you spell it uh, i i had some whole bunch of hebrew words in little slideshow but i'm not going there now but the lord uh, so he will sus over you he'll be cheerful over you some of you need to receive this word in your hearts today. But the Lord is cheerful over you as a son or a daughter of God. Let me say this. If you're not a child of God, God's not cheerful over you. He's not. The Bible actually says he loves you and he wants you to know himself. And he died for you in your sin. And while you right now a sinner have not confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, he loves you. But he's not cheerful over you because... You're actually, actually somebody who's under judgment in that you are serving the God of your appetites. You're in rebellion towards God, and God hates the sin that you're living in. And you need to confess today that he's Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you can be saved. And in that moment, as you're saved, you become a child of God. The Bible says, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And the way you also are born again, just for the record, is by becoming like a little child. And I just love our little kids. Don't care if they run past you. I was standing with my laptop the other day in one of the meetings. A little kid like, like hits the laptop and just runs past. Sorry. <laughs> it's funny as we get older, we just we know we want to be a bit more dignified. Just we're not as free. We're very conscious of everything. But yeah, it says the Lord. The Lord will be cheerful over you. I want to feel like some of us need to receive that afresh today. That the Lord wants to rejoice over you with gladness. And that word gladness is the word sima. It means with glee and pleasure. Oh, God. Break over us, Lord. Help us to see what Zephaniah saw is what we're living in right now. He says, he will quiet you by his love. Okay, are you ready for the next one? Similar, that's blasphemous. Are you ready for the next one? He will exult over you. We're still in Zephaniah 3, 17. He will exult over you 
with loud singing. That word exalt. Does anyone want to know what the Hebrew word is for that word exalt? It's the word giul. G-I-Y-L. It means that. To spin around. As under the influence of a violent emotion. So Zephaniah looks ahead and he sees God dancing over our sin. Taking it away. He sees God restoring people's dignity as they come and find themselves in him. He sees something of God. I mean, this breaks every single mindset we had that God is an old man in a chair watching the world with a scowl on his face. But the reality is God is a judge and he's righteous. And he's righteous in his judgments and he's not pleased with the sin in the world. But then God is a God of restoration and a God who's dancing over his people and delighting over them with gladness, with glee. And actually spinning around. I once saw a man hit. In, we had a prophetess come into the life of the church and the power of God was hitting people. People were falling out over under the power of God. And... Uh, some of the ladies were just completely, they were drunk in the spirit. They couldn't walk home. Their, parents, their husbands were carrying them out the venue. But one guy in particular, a really together guy, he, he was really, you know, like 20-something cool-looking dude, you know, hoping to get a wife one day. <laughs> and uh, you know, well-studied and educated. And the power of God hit this guy. He was, I've never seen anything since. He was spinning around on the floor. I mean, he was doing it himself, like in terms of doing this. And it was a, a church, uh, like a, a school hall floor. So it was, you know, wooden. <laughs> you couldn't do it on your head. I don't know. <laughs> Wrap yourself up in your clothes. And he was spinning around for ages. Like probably, I mean, I could remember, nearly 10 minutes. The axe started to sweat. And he was just going around. Spoke to him afterwards. What happened? He said, I, I was just like... I was just seeing the Lord like spinning, spinning, spinning. And this guy's like. And he got up just shining. It was like the Lord was just washing him inside. You can't explain it. I don't know why. Nobody said, hey, okay, we're now going to have this spin around anointing. Okay. You know. No, he just, the Lord was doing something in him, and physically, his physical body showed something of what God was doing in the spirit. There it is. It's in the scriptures. Zephaniah saw it. And why did David do it? I think because David also saw it. In fact, if you read the Psalms, you see how much this word is used. I was going to do a nice word study. But he says, he will exalt over you, and how's this? With loud singing. And that word is the word rena. And it means with proclamation, again, shouting. So the Lord spins around over me, and he rejoices over me with spinning. And David writes about this, I think it's in Psalm 32. He says, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. David saw in the spirit that when God, when you've got stuff happening in your life, you must know, Jesus is interceding on your behalf, behalf and God is shouting for your deliverance. And we don't worship him because 
we always see that deliverance like we worship him in faith, that that is his word and it's true. And sometimes our own bodies need to begin to follow what we see in the spirit. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, I spin around in your freedom, Lord. I'm free in you, Lord. I don't care about the people around me, Lord. But I rejoice in you. I jump for joy, Lord. I shout because you are God. Oh, yes. And we are still and wait because the Lord, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus like a dove. And the dove is tender, is sensitive. The sensitivity of the spirit. There are times we will just wait and you can hear a pin drop. Ding. But our worship needs to reflect heaven. There are times when all you want to do is lie flat on your face and just say, God, you holy. I can't even get up. I can't, Lord. There are times you're just wanting to be on your knees, say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. I give you my life. And this physical posture is a posture unto the Lord of Serena in our heart. There's times we open our hands as we receive. I was in Cape Town this last week surfing with Andrew. The water was 10 degrees. It was terrible. Even my thick wetsuit. And you know what happened? We were in the water before the sun came up. And when the sun came up, you sit there, everyone, even if you're not a Christian. <laughs> All these surfers become worshippers of this. <laughs> no. You just check these guys like, eh. it's like you're trying to catch any of the rays so your hands can get warm. There's something of a physical expression of our bodies that, trans- that if we're doing it with faith, we say, oh, no. I mean, it's, we know God is here. He's in us. He's with us. But we're also saying, yeah, Lord. Yeah, is my life. My whole life is yours. And the Bible is full of this type of worship. Lift up your hands in praise before God. Clap for joy and shout. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 49 that Jesus, it's, it's speaking of Jesus, says, he has ascended amidst shouts of joy. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it was with shouts of joy that he was received into God's presence. Heaven, friends, is going to be one of the most expressive places you can ever be. You think of the loudest sound system you've heard in your life, heaven is going to outstrip that. The Bible says in Revelation that as the multitudes praise God, the foundations underneath the feet of people is going to shake. You know, when big bass happens. My wife's been saying lately, sometimes she's feeling God's presence. She said, babe, I don't know what's happening. I'm feeling the Lord's presence. I think I'm going to roll around the floor. I'm like, well, do it. You know, do I mean, so I just feel like rolling. And I know she's been actually holding back for a while. But at some point, I just said, babe, just roll. Do it. Do it. Let the Lord just go. And sometimes I know I'm going to be seeing my wife rolling around. Why? What's happening? I don't know. There's an interaction, a deep interaction that's taking place with God. And we need to be okay with that in our churches. I mean, they can, I'm not going into the warnings and the, and the management of that as elders, but if we're not okay with that, I don't think we're reading the Bible that I read. Because actually, there's a lot of expression. In fact, our God is expressive over us. Amen? So, Granty, if you guys can be ready. That'd be great. I want to say this, you know, friends. Can I have the musos up? Let's have, um, let's have you guys up. We're not, yeah, let's see where we go right now. 
I feel like um, for some of us, God is wanting to break over you with the knowledge of his pleasure, like that he is full of, and that doesn't mean you're going to do anything weird. It just means you need to receive it by faith. And you say, Lord, I feel like I've been under the hammer. I'm under the hammer. It kind of just feels like, Lord, I'm certainly not seeing you, the God who dances and shouts over me, but today I want to position my life and receive that word, that you are surrounding me with shouts of deliverance. And I'm going to put myself in a place of faith to accept that word today, that you are shouting around me for my deliverance. Amen? You guys know that song, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Some of you actually need to just come up and say, I am in the presence of enemies, but I raise a shout. I, and I'm not, it's not even just about me raising a shout, it's about receiving that shout. There's some who, you're going, really, does God really like me that much? It's not been my experience of God. I'm always finding him to be a God with a stick over my life. Always pointing out the things that I'm doing wrong, rather than saying, I love you, my child. And I believe God wants to minister to you today.